You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everybody, to more of the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Hrsadulu, and more importantly, hello to my USFL fans. Today, a week after we did the very same style of video, we're diving back in to more of the USFL news within the NFL, and that is going to be covering six different signings that have gone down in the past week. There's a lot of action going on right now as training camps have kicked off in the NFL, which means bodies are filling up the camp rosters, and the USFL of course, finding its way into the NFL again following season number two. So there's a lot to discuss, a lot to get into. I'll be going over the six signings that have gone down these uh, last seven days. So comment down below your thoughts and opinions on some of these signings. Maybe if you're a fan of any of the teams that have signed these players here, how you think some of these players might fare in their attempt to make the final 53 of their respective signed teams. But without further ado, diving in, we begin with the furthest back. We'll kind of work in order of from furthest signing to the most recent signing, Dion Kane. This one we kind of knew was coming here, but we were not sure exactly what the details were going to be and who the team was going to be with. But it turns out he's making his return to Philadelphia, signing a one-year, 870000 deal. No, bon uh, no bonus money, no guarantees, no things like that. It's all just going to be about him trying to get himself a roster spot on a team that he is familiar with. And returning to Philadelphia makes a ton of sense. I feel like especially for him, you go somewhere you're already comfortable and you kind of know what's going on already obviously would increase your chances of making that final 53. Now, when you look at the wide receiver room for the Philadelphia Eagles here, you have four guaranteed locks, I would say, on the roster already. You have A.J. Brown, of course, Devontae Smith, your two headlining wide receivers. They went and brought in Olamide Zacchaeus this offseason. You also have Quez Watkins as well from last year. And those are the four guys that I could realistically see. And Maybe you argue is Watkins a potential fringe guy. I don't know, but I'm kind of looking at him as a guy that because he's been around for a little bit and he's found some success here and there, maybe he sticks around for this season as well. But you're looking at like four guys locked and the team initially only carried four wide receivers at the beginning of the 2022 season before adding a fifth in October of last season. So the way I see it, he's battling it out with a handful of other guys for wide receiver number four or five at worst, but something along those lines. I don't think you're really looking at anything much higher than that it does bring uh he does bring an element to the return game as well which i think is something that the eagles probably are considering uh, i don't necessarily know how that's going to work out but if you all remember obviously Dion kane couple of kick return touchdowns during the season as well so this past usfl season i should specify so Obviously, there is some really good opportunity here. I really think that Deion Kane had an opportunity to showcase exactly what he can do when a game plan is formulated around his talents. And to me, personally, Deion Kane feels like a guy that if he's on the roster come week one of the NFL's 2023 season, I wouldn't be too surprised. Moving into the next signing, though, we are talking another wide receiver, and this one is going to be Caden Davis, who is signing with the Arizona Cardinals, getting a veteran minimum deal of $750,000. Once again, no guarantees, no bonuses, things like that. Opportunity for a wide receiver who only played five games this past season, didn't have a ton of numbers to really showcase, but a great opportunity nonetheless on a team that is kind of uncertain as far as wide receivers go. I talked at length regarding the Davian Davis signing last week and his opportunity in 
Arizona, and a lot of that applies to Caden Davis as well. And I even talked about Arizona in my offensive power rankings video. If you haven't checked that out, I definitely recommend so you can kind of get a real in-depth idea as to what I see as far as the wide receiver room goes in Arizona. But this is another thing where, you know, Arizona carried five wide receivers last season, and the way I see it, there's no real certainty beyond wide receiver number two. You could argue that Greg Dortch is wide receiver three and sure, maybe, but I kind of look at it as like you have Rondale Moore and you have Marquise Brown, and then it's anyone else's ball game from then on. So while I think that the odds of Caden Davis making the final 53 might be a little bit slimmer than Davian Davis, who had himself quite a season this past year, he landed in a place where there is a ton of opportunity where you're looking at like three potential wide receiver spots that I would say are up for grabs. And if you have a strong enough performance, if he's finding himself as like, say, wide receiver five, again, wouldn't be too surprised. But this one's going to be a little bit more difficult, especially considering the amount of people that they've brought in for training camp. And again, you're battling someone like Davian Davis, who had himself a all USFL caliber season, but got snubbed last year. A tough battle nonetheless, but this is one that is fantastic opportunity for him to get to showcase what he can do. Into our third signing, though, we are looking at defensive end Levi Bell. He's signing with the Seattle Seahawks. Once again, veteran minimum deal. You're looking at 750K, $0 on the guarantees. He's currently listed as an outside linebacker, though, for Seattle. Seattle does run a 3-4 defense, so not too surprising there. You're not going to stick a guy of his size into a defensive end spot on a 3-4, but he's going to be obviously working as a pass-rushing outside linebacker, a guy who had four and a half sacks this past season in the USFL. This is going to be a tough roster to crack, and this is one that I'm more so looking at as like a... This is an opportunity to showcase what you're doing during preseason type of deal, and it's less more of like a real shot at an opportunity to make the final 53. When you look at what Seattle did last year, you're looking at four outside linebackers that they were working with in 2022 for the bulk of the year, I should say. Darrell Taylor and Uchenna Nwosu, nine and a half sacks apiece. Those are your lead guys. And you look at the guys behind them that I'm expecting to fill out the backup spots here. You have 2022 second round pick Boye Mafe that the team was really high on when they drafted him last year. And then this year, again, you dipped into the second round and drafted yourself another guy in Derek Hall, who again, they both seem to be slated as the number two guys. When you look at depth charts, that's just where they are right now. And based off draft position, I feel like right now Seattle's kind of all in on them. So you're going to need a really big performance from Levi Bell to really push for a fifth outside linebacker spot on this defense. Like I said, carried four for the majority of last season. They didn't go past that five mark. So going to be a tough one, but take advantage of the opportunities that you have in front of you, especially during the preseason here. Showcase what your talent is, and maybe you find yourself as a surprise fifth guy or maybe on another team, a practice squad, but a good opportunity for somebody who found some success this past season on the Michigan Panthers in the USFL. Sticking with the Panthers, same team here. A lot of Panthers getting some action this past week. We're looking at Josh Butler, who signed with the Dallas Cowboys here. And this was kind of an eyebrow-raising deal when you saw it. Three years, $2.695 million, but nothing is guaranteed. But it's clear that Dallas, after bringing in Cavante Turpin last year, is definitely willing to go the distance with a USFL guy, especially with the return that they got in an all-pro return season from Cavante Turpin. Like I said, I was a little bit shocked at the three-year deal initially, but when you look at the nitty gritties of it, clearly it's more of a, if things pan out, we have him locked up for a handful of years. Josh Butler makes a handful of dollars 
and everyone's pretty happy with the way things work out. That's if all goes well, and he ends up making the roster. Now, this is a fairly crowded cornerback room. You look at guys that are, as far as a starting three that you could really look at here, Jordan Lewis is going to be your slot guy. He's coming back from an injury. Then you, of course, have Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore that they traded for the Indian, from the Indianapolis Colts this past season. So your starting three kind of locked down as far as things are concerned. And then you look at some of the depth guys that are returning from last year as well. Kelvin Joseph, no, whoa, excuse me, Kelvin. Joseph, Nashawn Wright, Deron Bland, you have CJ Goodwin, all returning from last season, and then a handful of other bodies as well through camp. This is going to be a tough group to crack. The Cowboys only rostered six cornerbacks last season altogether, so definitely an opportunity to showcase some talent, and it's very clear that the Cowboys are going to give him every opportunity. You don't sign somebody to a three-year deal without the at least you know, in the back of your mind being, this is a guy we really want to give a shot for because if it works out, we have him locked up for the long run. Six cornerbacks though last year, and I just rattled off seven guys that either were on the roster or are projected as a starter this year from last season. And it's, again, a tough one to make, but Josh Butler has some talent, and it was very clear that Dallas felt like they identified that talent. And would I be surprised if he makes it on as cornerback number six? Absolutely not. He's just dealing with a ton of guys that already have experiences in the system, and he's got to outperform them. Looking at signing number five, though, we are moving on to someone that I'm really excited to see. Going to the San Francisco 49ers, we're looking at Chiava Tizino from the Pittsburgh Maulers signing the veteran minimum 750K deal, no guarantees once again. For a team that boasts excellent linebackers, it is not very surprising to me that San Francisco, after, especially after seeing the Seahawks show some interest, brought him in themselves and then snatched him right up for the preseason and training camp here. 49ers ran with five linebackers this past season, and there is a little bit of turnover here and some opportunity. And I actually really, really like both Tazino's chances here and the opportunity as a whole. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are obviously going to be your top guys in San Francisco. I don't think anyone's questioning that. Oren Burks was really strong in relief for those guys. And Aziz Alshair, obviously departing to Tennessee now, was basically like the other number two linebacker that you were working with there behind, or not behind, but alongside Oren Burks, I should say. So there is a spot that's opened up here. Like I said, roughly five linebackers throughout the majority of the season here. There is some really good depth opportunity with Aziz Alshair departing to Tennessee that kind of opens up a spot here and now you're talking okay well we need a number five we need a number four potentially even a number three if Tazino really shows up and impresses here this is a guy that I firmly think could make this 49ers roster if there's any team in the NFL that can appreciate what Tazino did this past season in the USFL it's going to be the 49ers and I really think that they would be better off keeping him in the long run than not having him or letting him slip away and go somewhere else. Again, Seattle was interested in him, and I talked about that last week when I was discussing some of the visits that we were seeing, and a little bit shocked that Seattle let him slip away and go to a division rival, but hopefully for Seattle's sake, Tazino and the 49ers don't make them pay. But this is one that I really like and uh, honestly a signing that I would not be too shocked to see as a 53-man guy come the end of preseason. And then for the final signing that we're looking at here, we're discussing wide receiver Trey Quinn of the Michigan Panthers. He made a signing of one year, 940K altogether. Once again, nothing in guarantees with the Detroit Lions. This one, 
makes a lot of sense to me, mainly because he's a guy who already has NFL experience. So he is a veteran of the NFL just because he was in the USFL last season. If you didn't know who Trey Quinn was, he's been around the block a little bit in the NFL. This is not somebody that I'm unfamiliar with. I've followed Trey Quinn through the bulk majority of his career now as both a Madden player and as a fan of the NFL. He is somebody that I always would scoop up myself as like the number six wide receiver in his earlier days of his NFL career. I will say though that despite all that, this one might be another one of a difficult spot and more of a get yourself in preseason action, showcase what you can do and either force the lion's hand to keep you around or maybe you impress somebody else. And again, you make a practice squad or you wind up being like wide receiver number five or six on a roster if you really impress. The Lions only carried five wide receivers for the majority of last season. There was like a short instance where they only had four and it wasn't even, it was very short-lived. But they ran with about five wide receivers last season. And when you look at the group that they have right now, this is another one that I'm just not necessarily too sure about him making. I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm doubting Trey Quinn, but I'm just trying to be realistic with the guys that are already on the roster. You have Amon Ross St. Brown returning. You also have Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond returning as well. Jamison Williams won't be effective immediately because he's going to be suspended during the early portion of the season and maybe... This is a signing that helps mitigate that, having a guy with veteran experience. He's going up against a lot of really young wide receivers in this, but you also look at some of the additions that they've made this offseason as well. They went and grabbed Marvin Jones Jr., and on top of that, Denzel Mims via trade with the New York Jets, and altogether rostered right now, battling for what I would say is probably like wide receiver four or five duties at best. You're looking at 12 guys right now that are rostered on the Lions. So there is a lot of guys to look at, a lot of people to eat up, a lot of snaps, especially during the preseason. And Quinn's game, if I had to pick something as far as the NFL is concerned, probably more of a slot guy than anything else. And again, you're if you're making the wide receiver room on the Detroit Lions, you're probably wide receiver six and your specialty is going to be backing up your starting slot wide receiver. So maybe this works out for Trey Quinn, but this is another guy who I would say needs to really do his best to command attention during the preseason because this is a roster that's loaded with a lot of guys and the Lions have dealt a lot, whether it's money or trade assets to get themselves a strong wide receiver core going into this season where a lot of hype is surrounding Detroit. Everyone's expecting the passing game to take a step further beyond what they did last year and it was already a really impressive group last year but this is a crowded room with a lot of guys looking to make some opportunity and a lot of guys that I could see making this roster above him so tough one but one that I could see him again sliding into that wide receiver six role if he forces the hand of the Detroit Lions and maybe forces them to hang with an extra wide receiver in that room but those are the six signings of the past week from the USFL into the NFL like I mentioned last week and I'll repeat again this is something I'll plan on doing for pretty much the majority of the USFL's offseason as we roll into the NFL season. I'll be breaking down signings and once you get into some game action, highlighting some of the con contributions that these players have made on their respective NFL teams. So make sure you're keeping your eyes out for this. I'm hoping to get this in at least once a week along with some other USFL content planned as we roll our way through the offseason. But that is it for me. I appreciate you if you made it to the end of the video. I will catch you all next time. Comment down below. Let me know your thoughts and opinions on these signings. Who do you think could make a roster? Who might not? All of that would love to discuss, but that is it for me. I'll see you all next time. Have a good one.